Hi, this is David Morris, a.k.a. Survival Dave, and welcome to this week's Urban Survival Newsletter, brought to you by SurviveInPlace.com and UrbanSurvivalGuide.com. This week we're going to talk about simple ways to start using your bulk survival provisions on a regular basis, some quick thoughts on self-defense, a video showing the impact of the proposed federal budget cuts, and survival clothing. Let's start off on the economic front, since the economy is one of the most clear and present threats that we are currently facing. Now, we can't blame our current situation on the mistakes of the current administration, or the last one. The events that we're seeing today have been in the works for over half a century. That being said, the budget decisions that have been made over the last 10 years are making an economic collapse almost inevitable. As an example, Obama signed the $787 billion stimulus bill on February 17th of 2009. And in all reality, I don't care if it was a Democrat, Republican, or a pink unicorn who signed the bill. The fact is that the bill got signed, and it was bad. Now, to date, half of that money, or $385 billion, has been spent. And I guess the reason he's only spent half is because he's waiting to stimulate it more? I don't know. Um, I guess he doesn't want to stimulate things too much. In any case, how much has that $385 billion stimulated the economy? And the answer is difficult to calculate exactly. Anytime you deal with that big in numbers, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But the best estimates are that we've seen $116.8 billion in economic growth since the money was given out. So to put that another way, we borrowed $385 billion from China, gave it out with the express purpose of stimulating the economy and getting a return for the people, that sounds communist. Don't mean it to be. Um, but um, really, uh, we expected to get a return for the taxpayer. And what did we get out of that $385 billion? We got $116.8 billion of benefits. In other words, we lost $270 billion in money that we didn't have to start with, in money that we borrowed from the Chinese. We just didn't get the economic benefit that we should have. Now, Simon Black put it this way. Not only can politicians generate a negative ROI consistently, but they can manage to lose 70% of their investors' capital. And if Uncle Sam were an institutional money manager, he would be charged with criminal negligence and hauled off to jail. But fortunately, D.C. has a solution. Budget cuts. They're throwing all sizes of numbers around, but most of them are hard to visualize. I don't know about you, but I can see in my head what happens if I take $10 away from $100, but I can't really get my head around what it means to take $100 million away from $3.5 trillion. Even if I just chop off zeros until they're more manageable numbers, it still, it just it, the scope is beyond what I can visualize in my head. I haven't held that size of numbers in my hand. So I've posted a video at um, secretsofurbansurvival.com slash content.php question mark 153. I apologize for that link. Um, it is what it is. Uh, you can also get to it by going to secretsofurbansurvival.com and um, doing a search in the upper right-hand corner. Or if you look at it uh, this week, which is um, from the 7th of May, to the 14th of May, uh, it'll be on the homepage. But in any case, uh, 
the video's better than any that I've seen before. And unfortunately, the kid sounds like he's talking down to the audience. And I completely disagree with this definition of mandatory spending. But the visualization is still very good. And um, you'll note that it's not new. It's from 2009. But the message is still very timely. Uh, to put it bluntly, though, um, this type of reckless spending and lack of respect towards the American taxpayer is going to end badly. It, there's just no other way. One of the next steps in this, what I like to call a diabolical plan, is to pass cap and trade. And I won't get into the nitty-gritty details on it, but the net impact of cap and trade is projected to be an additional $829 per family per year just for increased utility costs. This doesn't include the cost of everything that you buy going up due to shipping costs. And it doesn't count the, the cost of plastics going up or anything based on petroleum. Uh, fertilizers, um, inorganic fertilizers. And um, it, it's not good. It's not good at all. So what's the point of all this? Well, I want to start out right away and say it's not to give you something to worry about. The point is to get you to take action. If you can take big steps, take them now. If you can take small steps, take them now. Whatever you do, don't wait until things are perfect to get more prepared. Next, we're going to talk about eating your bulk food on a daily basis. At some point during your preparations, you probably bought bulk food of some sort. We started buying five-gallon buckets of bulk rice, beans, and oatmeal, and other stuff a few years ago. The funny thing is, even though we had the bulk stuff, we kept buying rice, beans, and oatmeal in small quantities from the grocery store. Unfortunately, this is kind of like jerking meat by the pound and still buying the stuff you regularly eat from 7-Eleven. And you might be different, but for us, the big buckets were kind of intimidating. Really, it wasn't it was just a lot of unknowns. Uh, we didn't know how to reseal it. We didn't know how to keep from losing 5 to 10 pounds due to spoilage. Um, I'd even just made up obstacles like I don't know how to scoop the stuff out uh, without uh, introducing something bad into the bulk storage. Well, the blunt answer I realized, kind of like everything else with preparedness, is that it's much better to have experience with these issues before an emergency than to learn it all while you're under stress. The last thing I wanted to do was wait until we had to eat out of our five-gallon buckets in order to find out how to eat out of our five-gallon buckets. Well, it's pretty darn simple. Uh, when we opened our buckets, we found out that our local emergency store uses an inner 7-gallon Mylar bag to extend the shelf life out to 20 to 30 years. Yours may or may not be the same, but regardless of whether yours is the same or not, it would be smart to find out as soon as possible. So the process of using our long-term storage is pretty straightforward. I'll mention one way that you can do it right here. Step one is to cut open your Mylar bag. If you don't have a Mylar bag in your bulk storage, you may want to pour everything into a Mylar bag and put it back into your original bulk storage container. Uh, Mylar is just a very, very good long-term storage container. Now, it's best to make as small of a hole as you can so that you can reseal the Mylar e easily. Number two, 
put a week or a month or whatever period of time you decide, uh, put that much worth in a small container. You can use Ziplocs, wide-mouth mason jars, or empty plastic containers like what workout drinks and meal shakes come in. Uh, we even have uh, some bulk nut containers from Costco and bulk pretzel containers from Costco that we put our bulk storage in. And then we eat out of the smaller containers on a daily basis. Number three, burp the Mylar bag in your plastic bucket to get the air out of it. You probably won't need oxygen absorbers if you're actively using the item. Uh, if you think it'll take more than a few months to use up the entire bucket, then you may want to go ahead and throw some in. Step number four is seal your Mylar bag. If you have a food saver, which I highly recommend, you can use it to suck both the air out and seal the Mylar. If not, you can seal the Mylar bag by pressing it between a 2x4 and a hot iron. You probably don't want to use the same iron that you're going to use on your dress clothes. It'll just get them icky. If you don't have electricity, for whatever reason, you can also heat up an old-fashioned iron or a piece of metal on a stovetop or in a fire and use it against the 2x4. One trick you can use if you don't have a food saver is to seal the Mylar bag mostly closed and then suck out the remaining air with your mouth or with an inflating deflating pump like what you'd use to pump an inflatable bed or inflatable toys. Obviously, you don't want to do this with flour with your mouth. Uh, you don't want to do it with anything where it's a, a loose, powdery substance. But once you've got the air sucked out, go ahead and finish sealing. Step five is... Go ahead and close the five-gallon bucket with a lid that's called a gamma lid. Gamma lids are awesome. Um, they're plastic lids that you can put on a five-gallon bucket that will allow you to unscrew the lids when you want access in the future. They cost between five and ten bucks a piece, depending on how many you buy. And I've got a link on the the form in the blog uh, taking you to a real good source for those. Now, of course, canning is a great option for taking bulk quantities of food and making them more manageable, but it's not always, that's not something that you can go and do today. So uh, that's the reason why I talked about just eating straight out of the uh, bulk storage or transferring it into a, a smaller container. Now, one of the biggest advantages of canning is that you're not limited just foods that happen to come in five-gallon buckets. You can can food from anywhere, your garden, a local farmer's market, or your grocery store. Unfortunately, that's a topic that's beyond the scope of this week's newsletter. Next, uh, quick word on self-defense and preparedness. Uh, specifically about rules. A lot of martial arts training today is geared toward competition. This is good because it helps develop strong minds and bodies, and it can be a problem if you ever have to use the skills. Pardon me. Let me let me start over with that. I don't know why I messed that up, but uh, basically a lot of martial arts training today is geared, geared towards competition, and I'm a big fan of that. I used to compete in martial arts, and uh, there's a lot to be gained from doing so. And competition is good because it helps develop strong minds and bodies, but it can be a problem if you ever have to use the skills to defend yourself. And simply put, martial arts impose rules on fighters 
so that people don't get serious injuries. And this makes sense for a number of reasons, but a couple of the biggest ones are hurt fighters can't make a living fighting. And the second one is martial arts studios won't be able to pay their rent if all their students are recovering from serious injuries. In self-defense training, when people do get hurt to the extent that they need medical care, it's normally an accident. In real violent self-defense situations like home invasions, muggings, and carjackings, you don't want to find out that you're the only one playing by the rules. And you want to make sure that your attackers are injured enough that they don't have the ability to attack you again. In other words, you kind of need them to require medical attention. So in short, take some time to evaluate your thinking on violent encounters. If forced into a situation where you have to defend yourself, do you really want to throw a perfect jab, cross, hook, uppercut to an attacker's bony face with your bare hand? It's a good way to break, cut, or otherwise injure your hand. And that's a pack up. If you've ever had that happen to you, you know it's bad in normal times. And in a survival situation, it could just be a death sentence. And to add to that, do you really want to go back and forth trading blows when there's no ref and your life's at stake? Instead, think about targets you can attack, regardless of how much bigger, stronger, faster, or younger your opponent is, like eyes, ears, throat, and nose, back of head, collarbone, knees, and instep. Knees and instep. Of course, the one of the reasons that I like that is because I've got a two-year-old, and I sing the song Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes to him, and um, that little rhyme goes right along with it. If you missed it, forgive me, I'm going to sing it. You can just go eyes, ears, throat, and nose, throat, and nose. And then for the chorus, back of head, collarbone, knees, and instep, knees, and instep. That was really bad, I know. I won't do that again. In any case, when attacked aggressively, these targets will work if you're tired and hungry, even if you're a small framed lady against a huge brute. I'm going to be sharing some incredible resources with you over the next couple of weeks that will help you in this area. I consider unarmed defense to be vital for myself and my family. Why? Because I don't always have my gun with me, but I always need to be prepared to take responsibility for my safety and for the safety of my family. Next, clothing for survival situations. Uh, G.I. Jeff has written an article on clothing for survival, and <laughs> it, it's a good one. I've already used one of the resources this week and encourage you to head over to the blog and check it out. You can read that at um, secretsofurbansurvival.com. And that's it for this week. So, again, I apologize for the attempt at singing. And until next week, this is David Morris with uh, urbansurvivalguide.com and surviveinplace.com.